to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm ankle deep in flannel graph. Today, we're talking about the story of redemption. Barry's here with his cherubim magnets to have cringy conversations in a subway. But before we grab our plowshares and pruning hooks, now that they've boldly entered the most holy place, let's welcome in our favorite royal priest, Smarin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. You wow. did not just call his magnets cringy. No, I didn't. You no, you were no. on your phone. You I was paying on attention. my phone. <laughs> no, I wasn't paying attention. He so said I was answering an email. He was saying cringy conversations yeah, in the like, subway. He was like, directly quoting me. Yeah, oh, it's a direct quote. I thought you called his what is it magnets? I no, he, he, had, uh, he had he had cherubim cherubim magnets. Those were majestic. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was on uh, camera one this weekend, and so yeah. I have. All the quotes, just like right here. Yeah, you were <laughs> first quotes. timer. What was that like? First yeah, time so, on the camera, right? So yeah, first time I served in production. Well, not first time I've served in production, but this weekend I served in production. First time I was on a camera. And they put you on the central, <laughs> the most central camera, camera during the message. On a weekend where Barry's got visual aid. <laughs> yeah. And he's what? like moving, moving back and forth. And it's not like a, <laughs> hey, just stand here and make sure everything's focused. It's like. Very active. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Did it make it more difficult? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got lost multiple times because I was like, I've never done it. <laughs> and the more I started like paying attention to what was being said, the less I was paying attention to whether Barry was like in the frame. <laughs> so there were, so I don't like think a I delay. It, yeah. I don't think it did it with Barry as much as I did it with Curtis, the host. Like, Oh right. He was saying something and he would like walk out of frame because I was, I write his script. And so I'm focusing on like, what okay, is he saying? he's yes, got it. Yes, he's yes. got it. Oh wait, he's way, he's way out. Yes. Of <laughs> so I moved the camera real quick. It was fun though. I mean, yeah, yeah, I get that. So I, when I served in production a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome. It was also my time. First time getting to serve in production. I did computer graphics, which is yeah. essentially like advancing to the next slide and things like that. The things that you see on the screen. And I was responsible for. Don't act like you're a big shot. Well, <laughs> Basically, the whole band was relying on me um, to give them their lyrics. Oh, yeah. That's a big job. I I felt like I'd be good for that job. Yeah. Because you know lyrics. As a vocalist. And a computer expert. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. That too, Barry. Um, No, but as a vocalist, I know like you want the words up a little bit ahead of when you actually have to start singing them. Yeah. Right, Tyler? Isn't that right, Tyler? Oh my goodness. Isn't that what you want as a vocalist, Tyler? Anytime I play music at Grace, (laughs) I come in pretty prepared on the guitar, but I can't remember lyrics to save my life (laughs) because every worship song, like it's, it's just kind of like, uh, this is probably very offensive. Yeah, don't say it. Okay. I can already tell. Like it's Slippery like slope. we use a lot of the same words in all the songs. Oh, come yeah. on. That's not it. <laughs> Learn the words. Anyway, so I'm advancing the slides. And uh, I think Kyle Imgenbroek was playing keys that weekend. And he did this like majestic run, yeah. like all the way up and down the keyboard. And I got so distracted by yeah. what was happening musically yeah. that I forgot yeah. to advance the slide. Yeah, wow. That was like the one time I messed up. So I get it. Like when music is your job, yeah. you're focused on the music yeah. and then you forget to do the production mm-hmm. thing. When <laughs> when uh, host notes yeah. and announcements are your scripts. job, you forget to do the yeah. camera things. Yeah. Guys. I am on cloud nine today. Why? Is Why? That? Because I rediscovered some oldie but goodie sound clips. Sound clips. Oh, How did myself you? Myself with a machete, and then I will die. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Oh man, I, I, I've spent the last hour and a half in here just kind of restocking the shelves <laughs> of, yeah. of sound bites, taking off um, the stale ones. No, really it- new ones, but a lot of ones that you're just like, they kind of went away. Don't eat shrimp. That's the goal is like, there's a lot of stuff in there that, Oh, this will be fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, do this. Yeah. Oh, that one's in there. Let's do this. No. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite yeah. of all the sound clips. Yeah. Um, this one's back. Let's see. Someone's going to scratch my itch. Oh, oh that's, that's the worst favorite. one. That's the actual worst sound clip that's ever existed. Yeah, anyway. So you ready. We're back. <laughs> right. Uh, but what's new with you guys? What's what's going on? We we traditionally start with you, Barry. We don't but need I can to. start if, if you no, like. No, please do. I just pulled into the parking lot. Yes. I just drove straight in 
from beautiful, magical, scenic Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, so. And I come bearing gifts. You do? Whoa. Oh. What, oh. what do I? Does Cleveland have? <laughs> I don't actually know. <laughs> Cleveland has loaf. the West Side Market. Thank you. Wait. Sourdough loaf. No, no, no. Nay, nay, nay. Smell nay. it. Smell it. What is this? It is a. It's bread. Pumpkin something? Rosemary. No, this is like what they Rosemary. serve you at. Uh, Rosemary olive oil bread. Olive Garden. Ooh, Guys, it's yum. fresh. This is like uh, Fazoli's. It's, stop it. <laughs> you are so mean. Oh my goodness. I bring you bread. No, this so is great. Nice. You this insult is like, my bread. I'm going to This is like Mama this. Corolla's style. Like, uh, Yeah, because it's Cleveland. No, you know, there's a there's no. a very large. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's a very large Italian community in Cleveland. Yeah, which is part of the reason their food scene is as amazing as it is. All right, so <laughs> enough's enough. <laughs> Why? Give us the three reasons you love Cleveland. Because every time you go there, you come back and rub it in our face, and everybody's <laughs> like, "What? Yeah. We're not. We're not getting the point. Like we yeah. don't. We don't love Cleveland. So you're not getting the point. I mean, we get the point that you like it, but it's like. Why? I yeah, it's like, like it's like. Said this guess before. where I just went shopping, guys? We're like, whoa, where? Like Harris, Evansville, no. Meyer. <laughs> yeah. Tell yeah. us why it's not an apt comparison. That is exactly why I love Cleveland. Okay. Oh, I no. didn't see one Meyer the entire time I was there, and maybe, maybe Meyer exists in Cleveland, but instead, I get to go to the West Side Market, uh-huh. which is one of the <laughs> oldest. It might even be the oldest. I think. There might be one older in New York, but there's, it's one of the oldest markets in the country. So you walk in and it looks like it's a train station or something. It's super old. And yeah, I've got pictures I can show you. Like it's a amazing. Big, kind of big vault ceiling. Huge arched ceiling, yeah. very like art deco, very industrial looking. But those buildings exist here. You would think that it had been repurposed (laughs) as a market, Tyler, but nay, it has existed solely as a freestanding market, not like a mega chain, not a Meyer. You ever been to Union Station downtown? Here? Yeah. Are there food stalls in it? No, but like they well, turned it into they turned it into the it? farmers market. Are there what food she's saying stalls in it. She's saying that it never got turned into a market. Correct. It's always been a market. It is still <laughs> a market. It looks like what it would have looked like for your great grandparents. Like But they never went to Cleveland. So why do I love Cleveland? <laughs> I love it for its history. I love it for its food scene. Uh-huh. I love it for its music scene. I know you only asked for three reasons, but I've, but I've it's said not a this music before. scene. It's like bands go to Cleveland. Cool bands go to Cleveland. Yeah. Cool bands. But it's not like local. Go to Chicago and then they hop right over Indiana well, yeah, and they I know. go to Cleveland. Yeah. And it's like underground bands. It's stuff that Jaden yeah. loves and stuff that I love. And Every time Marin goes there and goes to a concert, she sh- sends me a uh, <laughs> concert clip. And it's always, it, it always looks like a hobo <laughs> is playing an instrument. Wearing really tight leather pants and a tank top. That's the kind of music we like. <laughs> okay. Last night's clip that I sent you, this opening band. So we went to see a band called Sungazer and they are all instrumental and they're jazz fusion mm-hmm. and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the band that opened for them was also a jazz fusion band, a three piece bass, drums, lots of computery synth sounds and someone on keys. <laughs> but they had, they had, um, like a slideshow behind them, they were projecting clips of like vintage WWF wrestling scenes, which you weren't here for my wrestling sermon this summer, but oh no, I do love wrestling. Did you, you lo- know that about me? <laughs> now I do. I, yeah. I love old school wrestling. And so the bass Gird player came out like in like a leotard essentially. <laughs> yeah. And he was like the heel of the night. So he was like heckling the audience all night. He was the bad guy and the audience is in on it. Right. Sure. So they're booing him. And yeah, yeah it was an incredible wrestling theme. That's night what I call jazz, jazz fusion. fusion. Yeah. That's, they're fusing in like entirely other genres of entertainment. So last week magical. we talked about, um, what's that guy's name? <laughs> I don't even remember. I forgot Country it. singer. Yeah. Every uh, time we talked about oh, it. Oh, Keith week, Urban. Yeah, Keith Urban. All yeah. Right. And you're not, like, nah, not, not for me. Not in a leotard. But guy right. who looks like he hasn't showered in about three weeks. Mm-hmm. Wearing a wig and a leotard. Mildly. And like jumper boots. Inappropriate no, pants. 
that's, that's her your, genre. That's, your that's thing. her thing. Yeah. There we that go. would cause yelling me to at, drive five hours with my yeah. son. Walking down the street after yeah. that concert and just buying a loaf. Rusty. <laughs> Rusty steel bridges. That's why I love Cleveland yeah. industry. Industry, mm. industry, still alive and well. That's why rusty I, steel bridges. I love Cleveland. <laughs> okay, Chicago they should, they took all get that those stuff. Probably, <laughs> yeah, Chicago took all that stuff and like raised it to the ground and then like yeah. built steel and glass in, mm-hmm. in its place. Right. Right. Cleveland never had the money to do that. Mm. Cleveland's motto is, "Hey, we're not Detroit." Yes, it is. That's literally their motto. <laughs> yeah. And that's I love Detroit. Good. I love Detroit for the same reason. But that's not good. I, I think it's great. I hope it stays that way forever. People give Detroit a hard time. They do. But it's like, hey, at least we're not Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, guys. Uh, I know Barry has like big dreams of taking us to like Nairobi someday. Yeah. I've got real big dreams. Maybe for like a mission trip to Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> I will find us a partner. No, we, could so find we can an, go we can again find and again an indigenous, and again. indigenous yeah. church in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Can oh man. With. Wow. Barry, anyway. what's new with you? Man, I've just been, it's been a busy couple of weeks coming yeah. back from sabbatical. The, it, just lots of stuff. I officiated a wedding on Saturday. Yeah. I did a sermon. I'd never really done a sermon like this style before on Sunday, which t- took a lot of like mental energy and kind of some stress. And then we had another wedding to attend on Sunday afternoon. So it's just been like, it's just been, I keep putting on suits, taking them off. Putting on I suits. have attended church several times. <laughs> How did you, these are not even, these are not even clips I've heard before. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I have attended church several times. times. I don't remember the context. I love it. I read a devotional every morning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is unreal. Wow. wow. Anyway, so, yeah. so a lot of weddings. Well, yeah, I just feel like it's just one of those seasons where I'm just like day after day after day. I've just const- constantly have stuff. I yeah. don't have a lot of time to just kind of sit yeah. and look at TikTok or whatever. So yeah. it's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm like much, much better. Like uh, my emotional landscape is much better than it was when I first came back from sabbatical. My oh, first week and a half were very hard. Mm-hmm emotionally. And now I'm like, Oh, okay. I this get is it. What it sta- is, yeah. yeah. And like, I'm not preaching this weekend cause Marin's preaching this coming weekend. So I I'm able to do a little bit longer term yeah. research and reading and thinking. And that, that was nice. So like literally this morning, cause it was kind of a little cool out. I just sat on the back patio with Cleo and made a little fire and just did my reading and writing a out morning back there. fire. Yeah. A morning fire. Yeah. I smoked a pipe. I <gasps> smoked my, Are my you allowed to say that? tobacco pipe. It's it's legal. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, do you think that tobacco oh, no. is, here I we go. I don't, it's, it's, we're about to get canceled. In, it's infrequent, well, but it's something hey. that I've been doing ever since I first. Listen, I don't have no problems. You, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that there is somebody out there that's going to be like, they, he did what? They can, I am not infallible. I'm not infallible. <laughs> I'm, it, to, to that listener, I just want to say, I'm very sorry, but that's. <laughs> Period. <laughs> but this is who I am. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's, no, the morning what, fire it, is more the thing. I've never in my life had like a fire so in awesome. the morning. It's never. So that is a little, that's overdoing it. Guys. That's no. too much. That's like the guy that gets up on Thanksgiving and runs three miles. How in the world does that come to your mind? How does that have anything? It's like you're trying, like, like you're that's doing too the much most. effort. You're yeah. doing the most first thing it's of like, the day. Yeah. Did you have to split a log? No, that's just it. I've got, as I mentioned last week, I'm, I'm stupid with split logs now. So we just, we just, our Liv's been working on our patio. It's so cool. She's just been like adding all these new things we've got. She built this where the old hot tub used to be. It used Mm -hmm. to just be like a hole. She built a little, um, I guess like a little deck there. And so there's that there's a new, we got a new table for 10 bucks on Facebook marketplace. That's really cool. And then there's like a big rug out there. So it's like, it's now like a great place to hang out. We've got uh, these sun shades that can extend. To yeah. cover. So all it's a great place to hang out. And then I found a, this big metal, like rusty bowl style, uh, fire pit for that point. And, mm. and I have like, we have like firewood stacked up. It takes two seconds to get a fire going. And so, yeah, I think I'm just jealous. I wish you a fire pit. I know, but I'm not waking up early. I'm not, <laughs> if I wake up early, it's not to make a fire. It's because my son wet peed, bed. peed his right, bed. Right. And but, but the other day that happened and you couldn't get back to sleep. Yeah. But I'm not going to go make a fire. That's not like the top 100 things okay, I would rather well, do. Well, don't you have a, a, ga- a gas fireplace? 
Yeah, I did think about turning that on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but even that was too much. That was too much. I don't even have that, guys. <laughs> well, then you got to go out and use the big fire pit that Jed made in the morning and drink your coffee out there and wait till you discover how lovely it is. Nah, I would sooner pull up like a real crackling fire on YouTube, one that lasts <laughs> no, like three hours. you wouldn't. But, but doesn't make your clothes smell. I've done it. That's what I love the most about it. Yeah. I can't be like around a campfire or my hair smells like that for like two yeah. weeks. You get the but full But you don't experience. do that with the propane fire or the, yeah, the, not propane. Mm hmm your gas fire yeah. place? Well, like I said, I don't have one. Yeah, but you can get one. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what I need. No, I mean, we do have a fireplace, but you know, like you said, I'm not going to go split along. Yeah. Regardless, I did that well, this morning cool. while reading about like, <laughs> like N.T. Wright's take on discipleship, which was really interesting. So, yeah. uh, From reading, what book? I, I just discovered he's got this book called... Um, Shoot. What's it? What is it called? God rules. It's like That's the one it's like he wrote a book a while ago called simply Christian, which is his form of kind of not quite apologetics, but it's sort of like, is it like a mere Christianity? Yes. Very much like a mere Christianity. And this one is sort of his sort of his version of, remember we read that book. Um, the day, the, the disciplines. No, began. no, the, the, Come on, come on. What did we read? It was the, the Cost spiritual discipleship. Spiritual no. dis Dallas, Willard. Dallas Willard's. <laughs> what is it called guys? Come on. Shut up. We, whatever. <laughs> the spirit of the discipline. There, there, there it is. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's very similar in feel to spirit of the disciplines, mm. but it's kind of from his vantage point. And I just, as you've probably get, gathered, I'm a big fan of N.T. Wright. His yeah. biblical theology is like so spot on. And, and yeah. anyway, so I was reading that this morning. It was really good. Yeah. Okay. So other than finding new sound clips, Tyler, how are you? Yeah. So I had my first, uh, block party Whoa. this past weekend. Wow. Like the street shut down and all of our neighbors had a big party on Go them. Go ahead. That's bouncy cool. houses. No, but here's why I bring this up because this was an amazing idea. I had no part in like planning it, but, uh, so one of the people who planned it works at sun King and brought like his truck or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we closed off the street. So it looked, it looked like a bunch of stuff was happening. Like a big festival. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Um, but the coolest part is that they bought a bunch of like golf flags and house by house, they put it in a part of someone's yard. And so everybody's yard on the street had like a hole golf hole. Oh. And so they'd give you like a wiffle ball golf ball and it's like a putt putt, but, you actually swing the golf club uh -huh. in someone's yard. Yeah. To get to the flag. Hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. It. So it was like a so nine hole to, course. You got to in golf people's yards in your neighbor's front yard. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. And that to you was great. Uh, well, fun. You, all right. Can I, here's what I can't <laughs> yeah, stop. Awesome. Here's what I can't stop wondering. Is it yeah. like legal to shut down the street or you have to get like the police to do it? Uh, we did not get the police to do it, but everybody just kind of, you probably had to get a permit. No, he, Sun there King guy, a, probably had to get I a permit. I don't think so. It was like, we blocked off the street and had a little piece of construction paper that said, close block party. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, maybe, but. Did it, did it get a little rowdy, your block party? No, nah, we, I mean, we left because the kids had to go to bed, but. And by left, you mean went home yeah, we went, to your we home. We went inside. <laughs> took away your, took, away, took yeah. away your golf flag. Yeah, you know, we went inside. Closed up shop. Uh, but that was fun. Yeah, That's awesome. sounds awesome. Yeah, I would encourage that for everyone. I really miss block parties. That yeah. was a big part of our lives on the South side of Chicago. Our yeah. block had a block party. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first year we lived down there, there was like games for the kids. Mm -hmm. There's also games for the adults and yeah. there was musical chairs. Oh. So we were like, yeah, cool. Let's play some musical chairs. But mm -hmm. we had no idea that this in that neighborhood was a full contact sport. There was blood oh, by the no. end of it. <laughs> hey, is this like the videos you show me of your dad sending like fireworks videos of the neighborhood? Was that my dad? Where like people yes. are getting hurt? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yes. Then yeah, I'm, naturally. Those people look like they would do full contact musical chairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was not something I was prepared for yeah. and something I definitely never played again for yeah. as long as I lived there. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'm really into right now is, uh, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I know you were into wrestling as we've already talked about. I don't yes. know if you were into like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when yeah. you were little. I was very much into them, yes. My kids are just now getting into yes. it. Yes. But it's like the current version of it, which Who's their is, favorite? Who's their favorite? Well, Michelangelo, the party dude. 
Leonardo, no. who's cool, but Donatello. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Raph. Raphael's cool, but rude. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, no, but they love uh, Leonardo and Donatello. But anyways, they're really into it. Yeah. And I have all the stuff. Really? Like still. From when you were a kid? Yeah. And nice. so I'm just like in that world now. <laughs> I saw Lauren posted Again. a video of Lane just walking around with his turtle shell yes. on. Yeah. His two and his swords. diaper. Yeah. And his diaper. <laughs> um, my favorite part of that video though is you can hear some, the teenage yeah. show is on in the background yeah. and you hear one of the characters say something, something that's stupid. And he immediately turns around to his mom and says, we don't say stupid. <laughs> That's true. Thing. We don't, like, uh, we don't say that. Yeah. So I'm in that world now, man. I have been waiting for this day. Like I, I never really like they were into trucks and stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You're into trucks. We'll do hot wheel races or whatever. But now they're in stuff that I was like into. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> maybe that's what Liv and I should be for Halloween. Bebop and Rocksteady. You should, Whoa. because my kids are going to be Ninja Turtles and they're going to come attack us. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah, amazing. Um, be forewarned, Jaden's first curse word came from the turtle movie. So just watch oh, out. Yeah. Don't show them the first I turtle movie. I did show movie. them the first no. one. And as soon as that word came on, I shut it off. Yep. Because I, <laughs> I didn't remember. It's like in the opening yeah, yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, the yeah. only yeah. one in the entire yeah, I know. movie. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that was the first movie I went to a movie theater to see. The Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> Were you with your parents? Yeah, probably. So like after I mean, that, I was like, after that curse word, did they like never six. take you to another movie? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so never again. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, so that's, that's fun. I'm, I'm in Ninja Turtle world and um, having a blast. I love that so much. But I want to like go to your house and play with the turtles with your kids. So there's a, there's like these um, consignment sales that happen throughout the year. One is going on right now and somebody was there last night and sending pictures to Lauren of like, this is the Ninja Turtle stuff that they have for sale. And I was like, Ooh, I, really, it all. I want, <laughs> all that. I want that. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're into, we're into That's real, awesome. real, uh, TMNT. It's incredible. The staying power yeah. of the Ninja Turtles. Jaden yeah. was into the turtles for a while. Like I said, he watched that movie and he <laughs> had the whole collection of turtles, but Desi at the time was into princesses, Yeah, but they're only 17 months apart. So they mm. would play and they would combine their toys and oh, they yeah. played this game called turtles save the princesses. Mm. They played it constantly. Turtles yeah. save the princesses. Yeah. That's a good game. <laughs> I am also into a game just came out called Dreamlight Valley. Oh yeah. That's a great one. It, Is that a board game? No, it's a video game, but if you're oh. familiar with animal crossing, it's this, but Disney. Hmm. So you are a person and you're trying to like water your vegetables and like go fishing with goofy and, uh, and you're in, you you're into, into this that? game. I love it because I grew up loving Disney stuff like Mickey mouse. I was never into like GI Joe's. I was into. Are you a Disney adult? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not a Disney adult. Now I really regret saying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking of all the things I grew up loving that I'm like, no longer into, like Lion Play-Doh. King, Lion King, yeah, Aladdin. That like, yeah. So you get to be like Aladdin, and you're crossing the street, and you're planting vegetables, <laughs> planting vegetables, and with. you're watering them. No, you have a house. Have you ever played Animal Crossing? Never in my life. You have a house. I, I could honestly see Marin really getting into Animal Crossing. I can too. <laughs> Like you'd really enjoy that. <laughs> you have a house and you are supposed to make that house beautiful. Okay. And you have a garden and you have outside and whatever. So it's that, but there are Disney characters in your neighborhood or in your <laughs> <laughs> valley that are walking around and you're like, Mickey Mouse is like, Hey, I could use some corn seeds. And you're like, Hey, I got some, I'll bring them right to now, you. Are you, you, or are you like a character? You are you. Like, do you get to choose that? Like you get to choose what character you want to be? Like, no, you I'm are goofy. you. You are you. Okay. And so Mickey Mouse is walking up to you. Yeah, he's your next door neighbor. Asking you yeah. for, for corn, corn seeds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like, kind of like a fever dream yeah, yeah. that I once had. He's like, can you help me harvest these apples? You're like, all right. Yeah, sure, Mickey. Wow. Well, you know, a dream is a wish your heart makes, Tyler. <laughs> so that's what else I've been into. <laughs> Guys. All right. Yeah. That. I don't regret, I don't regret a thing. <laughs> I'm just surprised. That's all. 
I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I say I'm really into Ninja Turtles and not a word is spoken. I say I'm playing a Disney video game and now I feel judged. You were born in 1983. Of course you're into <laughs> yeah. Ninja Turtles. Uh, enough about that. All right. We are in week two of Hope Month. Marin, did you figure out how to get uh, the daily devotional notifications from the church, Grace Church app? Okay. Jeez, we're still shaking your head. We're no. still out on that. All right. Uh, moving on. Barry, yeah. you gave us the sermon this past week. Uh, and tell us, what's the big idea? What did you want everybody to walk away with? You did it a little differently than you normally do. It, a so, lot differently yeah. this time. So talk talk a little bit about how that, sure. how you feel that went. So I... I, I, what's the big idea? I, I basically told what I consider to be the grand story of redemption from the beginning of scripture till now. Like what, what is the story of, of God bringing humanity back into his presence, like yeah. healing the, the separation from him. And so I did that with a lot of visual aids. Uh, I used a magnetic like blackboard, dry erase blackboard where I would draw some stuff on there. And then I had all these little, construction paper, cut out things. And by the way, people were asking, they're like, surely someone did all those for you. Right. I was like, no, I did those myself <laughs> yes, yeah. you did. in my like dining room with scissors yeah. and that glue had to sticks. Have been fun. It is. I, I enjoyed being creative. I enjoyed thinking like, go. how can I, how am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to make like priests robes that are going to snap onto yeah. this like stick figure? And I figured it out. You and did. It was really cool. And I, we used magnets and yeah, it was great. Oh, now that I think about that, how did you do that? Wow. Well, some secrets the, the, are, but the, Stick figure needed a magnet. Yep. And the robe needed a magnet. Yeah. How did I make but it? But the magnets repel. Well, not if they're flipped the same direction. Uh, I had the stick figure had two magnets top and bottom, like one, at the, gone. <laughs> one at the neck, one at the feet. And then the robe had a magnet at the exact same spot by the neck. And then that magnet and the one that was on the other side, both, were point the polarity was going the same direction. So mm. it just snapped to it through. I don't know. Magic. It's magnets. <laughs> yeah. All right. Keep anyway. Going. Uh, so, I mean, essentially I, I told a story in three parts, part one, the garden part two, a chosen people and part three, uh, the return to Eden or return to Eden. Yeah. And so essentially I, I used certain images like the temple, like the tree of life, like the, the curtain or the gate, uh, that blocked people from God's presence. Mm-hmm. I use these images and they kind of repeat in each section of the story. Um, but, but kind of as a way of telling what, what it is that God was doing to bring yeah. us back to himself through Jesus. So, uh, we can get into the specifics of it, but that was kind well, of the yeah. big picture of what we, what, what I talked about. So I, I think I told you before starting the show, like, I don't really know what to ask. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, meaning like, I really think if, if you're a friend of the pod and you're listening to this, I really think I don't normally do this, but I really think you need to, if you haven't watched the sermon, I think you should pause the podcast and go watch it and then come back because mm-hmm. some people listen to this first and, or whatever. Yeah. But pause this and go watch it because the illustration is like really meaningful mm-hmm. because you could have done all that without doing the illustration part, but yeah. the illustration is really important. And so today I I don't necessarily feel like I want to go piece by piece like we normally do through sure. the sermon. Um, because I think you masterfully is, illustrate the story of redemption, um, and of God in your sermon. <clears throat> and I don't know that we could do that justice without, without being, without you see seeing it. Sure. it. So well, what thanks. I want to do, um, so we, during hope month, we're trying to answer a lot of the questions like uh, related to separation from God. And I think your sermon perfectly illustrates answers to a couple of those questions that I think every person, every human being has at some point throughout our lives. And those questions that I came up with are that I think your sermon illustrates or answers is who are we, Mm -hmm. where are we going or where are we, Mm -hmm. what's wrong and what's the solution? So let's first talk about the Christian story because that's basically your sermon is the Christian story. Sure. Um, you basically took Christian theology and made it into flannel graphs. And yeah. why did you feel like that was the choice you wanted to make? That's a good question. I think it started with me wanting to 
to do the sermon a bit differently, like not just speaking, speaking, speaking for 30 minutes, but I, I realized, okay, I would like to perhaps illustrate this knowing that there were going to be some repeating images throughout. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to capture that. And then it just kind of morphed into, well, I could draw some stuff, but having to erase it all and then draw new stuff was going to take forever and wouldn't yeah. really work. So I was like, well, what if I got something that could like stick onto this, onto the board and move around and then it yeah. turned into magnets and yeah. So it's kind of one thing led to another, all from basically just wanting to, mm. to tell the story in a slightly more creative way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so after digesting the sermon and doing camera one and then watching it again, mm-hmm. uh, help those of us who wonder if we could just kind of go through those questions that I went through sure. and how your sermon helps answer those. Sure. Um, so my first question is who are we like mm-hmm. based on your sermon, who are we? Right. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I'm, I am diverging in a sense from what is often the starting point for a lot of sort of Christian thinking, evangelical thinking, which starts with who am I? I am a dreadful, evil sinner. Yeah. Incapable of achieving like the goodness of God and, and destined for hell and destruction. Right? Yeah. That's where it usually starts. Right. Like, I'm a mess. I need saving. That's the beginning of the story. I begin the story instead by saying, no, I am as a human. We, we are created to be image bearers of God. We are created to be in God's presence, experiencing his life and love and, and abundance. And I mean, essentially symbolized by, by the garden of Eden, we yeah. are intended to, to live in that type of life. And yet we have fallen away from that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are fallen. Yes, we are evil. Yes, we are yeah. full of sin, but that is a, that is not our intended state. Mm-hmm. That is what we have fallen into and chosen for ourselves. Yeah. So I, I think capturing that original idea, starting with Eden was important to me. Yeah. And, and along with that, I, I talked about the fact that, and this, I really, really wish I, I, every single person could go and look at what the Bible project has done with this image. But, but throughout scripture, there's a theme of, of Royal priests, Mm -hmm. which I I tried to explain in the message Mm -hmm. briefly, but it's this concept of a a Royal priest is one who, who mediates between God and the people. That's Mm -hmm. what a priest does. And a Royal priest is one who, who also has authority and rules in that sense. And from the very beginning, Adam and Eve in the story are designed to be royal priests to creation. So they are the ones who are to represent God to his creation and to represent his creation to God. They are to have the authority to, to rule over the the land and the animals and the sea and to, to be creative and to build and to grow things and to design that like we are to, we are little representations of God on this earth. That's yeah. what we were meant to be. And, and yeah. royal priests is sort of the biblical language and vocabulary yeah. for describing that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of who we are. That's what yeah. I, be- and yet, like I said, that's, that's who we are. And yet we have fallen away from yeah. that, which gets to the problem that comes later yeah. in the questions. So yeah. Next question would be, okay, if that's who we are, where are we? Right. And that is why I love the story of, of Eden. And now Eden's on top of a mountain in the, in the, it yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter. We can get into that, but, <laughs> but in the sort of, in the sort of uh, physical storyline, what you see is that humans go descend down the mountain away mm-hmm. from God's presence and into the wilderness and into the chaos of a bro- of the broken world, mm-hmm. breaking the world as they go. So we are in the valley. We are in the wilderness. We are exiled from the presence of God. That's where I we am here. That's, that's right. What a weird thing to, to, to clip, but you anyway. cannot tell me that these are old clips. These are old these clips. These are brand new clips. See, I'm so happy. Never been used before. <laughs> anyway, that's where we are. And, and I mentioned in the, in the sermon that the sort of the, that God puts, he closes the gates to Eden. He puts the two cherubim, the angelic mm-hmm. beings there. And there's a sword that flashes back and forth, basically blocking the way back into Eden. We can't yeah. stumble back in. We can't force our way back in. We are outside mm. of the garden mm-hmm. of his presence. So that's where we are. Okay. And so what is wrong? So combining those two, those two things that we just talked about, what's wrong is that we are, because we are exiled from his presence, 
A, we are not experiencing his blessing. We're experiencing the curse, Mm -hmm. the opposite of God's blessing, which is his presence, his life, his his abundance, um, the peace that comes about in his presence, the, the, uh, the yeah. justice that all of that, we can't experience all of that. And we are not living into our intended vocation mm-hmm. as Royal priests. We're not representing God. We're representing ourselves. We're yeah. representing our own desires. And as a result, the world keeps breaking further and further. There's more injustice. There's more hatred. There's more isolation because of our, uh, our disconnect, our separation from mm-hmm. him. So, People, people who um, I associate with who are not affiliated with grace or Christianity for that matter, they say like, did this truly come down to whether God's creation, like the rebellion of God, did this really come down to whether God's creation ate from the tree of life? Right. Like, whether one, that, whether that one, one decision person, cursed everyone else, right, you know, and right. what do we say to that? Well, that's a, I'd, I'd be interested in what you guys say to that, but I'll, I can tell you my response. Yeah. <laughs> my response is, um, put simply, no, no. Yeah. And here's why. And this is this, hear me carefully. When I say this, I know this is a very fraught issue. The question of, of whether the events in Genesis literally happened or not. I, my opinion is it doesn't matter right. because what we see, whether it literally happened or not, what we see in the story of Genesis and in the story of creation and the story of Eden is we see a poem, a poetic depiction of the human condition. Yes, Adam and Eve made a choice, whether literally or literally, they made a choice mm. to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Mm-hmm. However, every one of us makes that same choice mm-hmm. again and again yeah. and again. So yeah. we, the, the tree of life again, represents trusting in God's intention, setting, like surrendering our own will to, to his will. And yet the tree of the knowledge of good and bad is us becoming our own, our own mm-hmm. <laughs> deities. Yeah. We become, you know, whatever, uh, <clears throat> meists is the new word I just came up with, by the way. Like, is that right? do you like that? You know, like you've heard of like deists Mm -hmm. that like believe that God's distance. Meists, where we are, (laughs) I am, I am my own little God. Anyway. Yes. Writing that down. (laughs) Writing it down. Uh, So anyway, all all that to say, for me, I know I don't believe that it all boils down to one person ate Mm -hmm. a fruit they weren't supposed to eat. And therefore now we're all living in a curse. I think that story helps us understand what we all choose to do. do. It's the human condition. It is the reason why we are all separated from God. Yeah. Okay. So if that's what's wrong, then what is the, and maybe it did happen literally once with (laughs) with, with an actual Adam and Eve, totally possible. You're you're saying, I'm saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, to get caught in the weeds of, was it actually an apple? Was it a, was it actually a serpent? You could kind of insert, rebellious act here. Like it could have been anything because that is the human condition. Yeah. And I, and I'm just saying my non-Christian friends are like, sure. You believe all that because one person did one thing. Right. And so, right. Yeah. And And it isn't about the one thing as much as it's about thinking, you know, better than God. Yeah. And and if there's any listeners that are getting concerned, I, I am Oh, well aware of how Paul describes that sin entered the world through one man yeah. and through one man was, you know, I get hey, friends of the potter with us. They're on the team. I'm just saying, I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. I, this is a fraught issue, but I, I, yeah, to me, it is less about the, the one act and it's about, it's more about the constant act mm-hmm. that we are constantly. That makes sense to me. In. All right. So what's the solution? If that's what's wrong, what's the solution? So, the solution is that God from the, from the, from Genesis 12 is, is, uh, in the business of bringing humans back into his presence. That's what he sets out on a rescue mission that we are incapable of, of doing on our own. Uh, he calls Abraham. He tells him, I'm going to bless the world. I'm going to bless all nations through you and your descendants. And then he begins this, this, what becomes the story of scripture as he, as Abraham's descendants become the people of Israel, Mm -hmm. God rescues them out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery and, and calls them to be something different. He calls them to be a kingdom of priests, royal priests. You are going to represent me to the world. And he gives them instructions on how to live uh, in an Eden kind of way follow me, trust me, eat from the tree of life and you will be blessed. And in so doing, you will show the other nations 
what it means to, to come back to Eden and, and all the world will, will eventually regain its, its uh, intended vocation and intended identity. Mm -hmm. That's, that's his plan. Now, as I talk about that plan seems to hit some pretty bumpy uh, steps along the road because the Israelites did not obey. They did not eat from the tree of life. They continued to be meists. Uh, (laughs) I don't think it's going to stick. I don't think it's, you're making it stick. No, I'm not going to force it. (laughs) Um, So because of that, it, it becomes very clear in the story that, that something, someone greater is needed. Someone in this, in this family of Israel is needed who can do what every other human seems incapable of doing. And so God becomes one of those Israelites. He comes into the story himself as Jesus, fully God and fully man. And Jesus does what no one else is capable of doing. Not mm-hmm. only does he fully live out that, that, that vision of, of God's intentions realized of Eden, but he also goes to the cross and gives his own life to take all of the curse on himself. And he takes that curse down to the grave with him. He takes the, the, he rips the curtain that separates us from God in half. And he is resurrected as the new temple, as the, the new meeting point between Mm -hmm. God and God and humanity. He is the new Eden in a sense himself, where we can go to be with our God. The separation is healed. And because that separation is healed, we can begin to be transformed in our character, in our behavior, in our actions, mm-hmm. in our, in our vision of the world to be more like Jesus and to begin living finally the way that God intended for our world to be. And as a consequence, a, the world is healed and B all the nations on earth can once again, come back into God's presence. Yeah. Mm. All right. You nailed it. <laughs> there we go. Top marks. <laughs> all right. So I'm glad we ended with that because my biggest question, one of my biggest questions, I have a list of like a bunch of questions. All right. Um, one of my biggest questions is why do you believe, why do we believe God did not just start? Like you gave it three, three parts, three parts, garden, yeah. people of God and uh return to Eden, right? Mm-hmm. Our person of God, people of God, the chosen people, chosen people. Um, why do you believe there are even parts one and two? Why not just start with part three? What do you guys think? I've talked enough. Well, I hear I, what you think. <laughs> This is a lot to process. You talked about the entire arc of scripture. Which does happen to be a quite a long book. My word. Um, no, I'm processing through, actually through Revelation chapter two, mm. what you just said about us um, being brought back to that priestly vocation of representing others to him. It reminded me of Revelation two, uh, verse five. Remember, therefore, actually start at verse four. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Now he's talking to the churches, but to one church. And he says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. That to me sounds like a summary of what you just said. Hmm. Yeah. The heights from which we have fallen, the mountain that we descended as a humanity, as mm-hmm. a people, not just as individuals, the heights from which we've fallen, we have to repent and we're being called back to those first works to be uh, represent, representatives of, of him in our world. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm processing this message and everything you just said through Revelation chapter two. I imagine if I'm to answer that question, I don't know the answer because that's why I asked it. But if I'm to answer that question, why didn't he just start with part three? I guess it's to to reveal himself through his creation, making him more like making us able to, uh, see like what he promises and him come through with his promises. Um, see, see his faithfulness. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like there's something to like this, like being in really hard times and seeing God come through mm. where if he would have just started with Jesus in the garden of Eden, maybe it would feel more like a, 
it would feel like a different type of relationship. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say part two, which it's easy for me to see part two. I'm looking at my notes. I literally drew sketches of nice. what you drew on, on the blackboard. <laughs> yeah. um, nice. I think part two exists to show us that we can't do it without him. Part two is where the law is issued, right? Mm -hmm. And so Garden of Eden, okay, we're locked out. There's some cherubim there blocking the way. And he's going to make a way to bring his people back to him. That's what you said. Mm -hmm. And so he gives them the Torah, but try that they might on their own. They, they can't do it. Right. They, they lose their way. They blow it. And so to show us his mercy toward us, even in our sinful state, even in kind of our, um, our, our spiritual bankruptcy, we just lost our priestly vocation. Even in that, he sends his son to come and make a way and redeem us. I don't know. There's, there's something about being loved for like doing all the right things, mm. but there's something even deeper about being loved even though you know, and he knows that you don't do the right things. Yeah. Right. I think that's the point of part two. Yeah. There's something like, um, God using a flawed creation, not flawed human beings to bring about redemption. There's something about that, that maybe wouldn't have been driven home if he just started with Jesus. Yeah. I, I have questions about why it took so long, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, could he have made his it's point still taken in, so long. in 200 years? Could he have yeah. made his point in <laughs> yeah. 100 yeah. years? I, I don't know, but yeah. who am I? Who am I? So here's my response to that question. Why didn't God just snap his fingers and make it happen? I have no idea. That's <laughs> okay. the bottom line. And what yeah. I mean by that is like, this to me connects directly to questions like, why is there suffering in the world? Yeah. Right. Why would God allow children to be born with cancer? Why would he allow there to be nations that can enslave and, and yeah. murder people? It's it, you go, you name it. Why is there brokenness at all? And I don't have an answer and I'm waiting, you know, till I'm face to face with my creator to be like, Hey, you want to spell that out for me? Yeah. But because like, look, if I was God, right, I would snap my finger. That's, that's kind of how I think I'm like, well, I wouldn't allow there to be suffering in the world. So clearly my understanding of God's intentions is deficient or, or my under, my understanding of God's plan, yeah. his ways is insufficient to the task. What I do know just from seeing it again and again in scripture and again and again in my life is that God consistently and, and without fail reveals himself and his purposes through humanity. Mm -hmm. He is relentless in that. Mm -hmm. And we have never earned that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> never. We always fail him. And yet he consistently reveals himself through us and he consistently works through us and he consistently calls us. And, and something about, something about God's character includes relentlessly working yeah. through his chosen people, humanity. Mm -hmm. And, and it makes no sense. And it just, it, it seems like a pretty bad plan. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we joked, was it last week or joking where at some point God would have been like, you know what? I give up. Yeah. We're going with the dolphins. Yeah, right. That's right. There were, there would probably be some better servants yeah. elsewhere, but he, he, it, he will not make, he will not lobotomize us and make mm -hmm. us into robots mm -hmm. that have to worship him, that have to obey him. He will always give us a choice. Mm. And even that, with, with him always giving us a choice mm -hmm. because of his relentless, unfailing love, he will also always move in to meet us in our failures when we yeah. choose other than him. Mm. So it's like, it's this combo of, of God is always giving us free will and the ability to choose otherwise. And he is always going in sacrificing himself, self-giving love so that he can yeah. bring us back when we mess up and choose else. Uh, otherwise, it's just interesting that like, I don't necessarily have the question of like, why is there suffering as much as I'm like, when did God know that was the plan? Like part one mm -hmm. failed plan or seemingly failed plan. Part two, Abraham failed plan. Like when did he know? All right, enough's enough. I'm coming to 
I'm, I'm going to enter the world and as a human being and bring about redemption through flawed humans. Was it in part one? But he was like, eh, we got to get to part three, but we still got to go through part two. Like that's, that's, I have less questions about like, why is there suffering and more questions about like, when did God know that was the plan? Right. My, there, there's two, two ways that I want to respond. Yeah. One way is to say, I think he knew from the beginning and was working to this end from the beginning. The apostle mm. Paul goes on some long stretches in his got in his letters that I have not, I don't think I've fully dug into these passages, but he talks a lot about the fact that like, we would not know what sin is if it wasn't for the law. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know what grace we needed if it wasn't for our failures and our, and our sin. So like mm-hmm. in some ways God needed to create a people mm-hmm. that were set apart and yet failed mm-hmm. for his redemption to, to be effective, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's one. So it's like, somehow I think from the beginning, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't like, Oh man, I was really counting on those Israelites and they dropped the ball. (laughs) It wasn't like that. No, I think he always knew what he was doing. And Mm -hmm. in some way the Israelites had to go from slavery in Egypt to a nation called by God and set apart with their own glimpse into the intentions of God and ending up back in exile in Babylon. And the the lengthy exile that continued, even as they returned home, that needed to happen for the coming of Christ to do what it did or to be what it was in human history. So that's one whole answer is I think he knew from the beginning. My other whole answer is me getting nerdy saying, if God created everything, (laughs) including time itself, then there is no no him learning what it, this is all happened. There is no when it all exists as one. I'm going to stab myself with a machete and then I will die. (laughs) Which, which means not only is he not surprised by the, the failures of humanity, but from the very moment of creation, that moment of creation included the self-giving love of his son, Jesus on that cross. Like all of, all of creation happened Mm. through the lens of, of his own self-giving love. So like, because it all happened at once. So somehow baked into the concept of creation is the very idea of a self-giving God of a self-sacrificing God. It has to be because he's out. Yeah. It's near impossible to take, our minds out of this like linear way of thinking. Right. Yeah. When did he, when did he know, when did he decide even to call it parts one, two, and three? What if it's just the part, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, you know, because yeah, yeah, because he sees the end from the beginning and he holds it all. He's so all encompassing and it's just really hard for us to even fathom that, but it is, challenging and it yeah. is cool to imagine or or let your brain imagine something so immense that it is beyond time yeah, yeah. beyond time and space yeah i i am i the, i to go back to that idea of, of standing face to face with my creator with the questions about why he allows suffering like what i really think is going to happen is i'm going to stand face to face with my creator and he's going to show me in a way that i could finally understand what he's been up to this whole time and mm-hmm. it's going to be so staggeringly loving mm-hmm. and so staggeringly astounding in his grace and his mercy. It's going to, it's going to be like a Google commercial. <laughs> Is that staggering loving and astounding? No, but it makes me grace? cry every time I see it. A Google, <laughs> any Google like commercial? When Google makes their like end of the year commercial. The heart jerk, the tear <laughs> jerkers. Yeah. yeah. You've never seen <laughs> You're talking like a guy with a communications degree right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't pay attention every to that Every time I stuff. see it, every year it's like, oh, <laughs> it was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but that, but with all of time, yeah. all yeah. of creation. It was a good world. Yeah, it was a good yeah. time. I'm just, I, that's my, that's the, that's frankly, it's the hope I hold on to yeah. that the God that I follow, <clears throat> his love is so unfailing that when I can finally see the whole picture, it will take my breath away to a degree I can't even comprehend that I will be like, wow, now I see what your plan was yeah. and it finally makes sense. I think that's why Paul says we right now we just see through a, a through glass a, a glass dimly. dimly. We're seeing through we're seeing a tiny shadow mm-hmm. of what God's true grace and glory mm. is really up to in this world. So it takes faith and it takes trust. Yeah. Not in like some weird formulation of like believe these words and you can go to heaven when you die, but like a faith and a trust that the God that we follow is who he says he is. Okay. 
Um, I've heard the phrase forgiveness of sins. Yeah. My whole life. Is forgiveness of sins just another way of saying returning from exile? It's a part, it's a part of it. So I like to define sin as our rejection of God's intentions, Mm -hmm. right? So when God says you you were made for peace and we choose war, that's sin. Mm -hmm. Violence is sin. When, when God says, uh, there's enough for all of you. I want you all to have enough and abundance and we choose greed and selfishness and others starve. That's sin. When he says, I I desire purity and life and we choose impurity and, and uh, whatever lusts and all of that, taking advantage of one another, that's, that's sin. So sin is, is any of those rejections big or small. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, so that, that's what sin is. So for, for forgiveness of sins, I don't think it just means uh, it's not just saying like, ah, nah, forget about it. Like, you, yeah. I know you did those things. Forget about it. I think what it is, is saying, I recognize like God's saying, I recognize all of the consequences of these choices you keep making the, the brokenness, the injustice, the pain, the, the brokenness of our world. I see mm-hmm. all of that. Forgiveness of sins is not just saying, uh, I'm not going to punish you for that sin. It's saying I am for, I am bringing you back from the consequences of those choices. Mm -hmm. And so it is a redemption. I think redemption is such a strong word because to redeem from slavery is, is to say, I'm purchasing your release from a life in which you have no, in which you are enslaved to Mm -hmm. a life where you are free. And so forgiveness of sins, because it becomes just such like a, a formulation that we hear over and over and over yeah. again, it loses some of its power of being a fully transformative experience. Mm-hmm. It is not just some legal spreadsheet where God's like, all right, check the box, sign the dotted line. Okay. Now you're fine. You're not going to go to jail. Yeah. It's like, no, you are now freed. The chains are falling off of you so that you can begin to live yeah. in an entirely different way where you do eat from the tree of life. Yeah. So, after listening to the sermon, after knowing a little bit about where we're going with the series, um, and after just kind of hearing messages about Israel and things like that, I, I was like, forgiveness of sin. Yes, that that is a very like common thing, whatever. Right. But is the re- is if we're talking about the, the idea of being separated from God is, is forgiveness of sin, basically like being connected, like not being separated anymore. And you were disconnected. You were in exile essentially, but because of forgiveness, you were no longer, you were returning from that. You were no longer separated. Yeah. In essence. So our sin by its nature, when we sin, we are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, right? We are choosing other than God's desires. And we are through that action separated from him. We're exiled from him. Forgiveness Mm -hmm. of sin is saying, come back. The Mm -hmm. door is now open. Mm -hmm. You can enter back into my presence. Uh, And so, yeah, that's what, that's what, that's what's going on here. It's the, it's the opening back up of the door into the presence of God that we cannot have when we are living in sin, as Paul often talks about. Yeah. Uh, In part three, God defeats the grave and changes the rules forever, you said. Mm -hmm. But the world, obviously, is certainly broken. That's what we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The rules are changed forever. God defeats death, but the world is still broken. And it, to a lot of us, sometimes feels hopeless still. Yeah. Uh, We haven't returned to Eden and we are, there's not a world full of priests. Right. So what are we supposed to make of that? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> what are we supposed to make of that? Marin? what do you think? If the rules are different, it feels like, it, I feel like it should feel a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I think there is a world full of priests. And I think that they are, again, beginning to awaken to the fact that they are priests. I feel like there is a great awakening happening. I might talk about that a little bit this week in my message. I probably will. I think I will. <laughs> um, glad, glad, glad I could contribute. A, a little glimpse maybe into, uh, it feels like a spoiler alert, but um, my brother's church, which su- 
surprise my brother goes to church like that. That's Whoa. that's hope month in a nutshell. Yeah. I can't even believe I just said the word my brother's church, the mm. phrase my brother's church. That surprise. that is an absolute miracle. Um, but my brother's church where he is also surprisingly a second grade like small group leader. Whoa. It's just, again, words I thought I'd never say. Uh, his church <laughs> is talking about the same thing about being ambassadors of Christ and representing him to your community and representing your community back to him. They're talking about the exact same thing. They're awakening or reawakening to this concept of evangelism. My two sisters, um, they're both married to pastors who pastor within the same church in North Carolina without any of us siblings comparing notes. It just so happens that they heard a message this past weekend about Finding your one. They hmm. even used that Copyright phrase. Grace Church 2018. <laughs> I, I think that God is moving in his global church, hmm. in his big C church, yeah. and he is raising up his kingdom of priests who maybe were asleep, who maybe didn't even realize that they had this priestly vocation to begin with, but he's breathing new life into them and he is raising them up. And again, as we've been talking about all month long, using them employing them, deploying them into the world to bring healing to these broken places. Yeah. Believe God. <laughs> that is, that is hope month in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. And I see it in my own family, which represents like the tiniest little sliver of the kingdom of God. I can see what God is doing mm -hmm. in these churches that I'm associated with. And I have to believe that this is a movement and he is doing this in his church globally. Yeah. So I, yeah. Amen to all that. I, I tend to think of it this way for one. Um, and, and this is something NT Wright talks about a lot. So like, this is where I get that from is the idea that new creation, what, what God will do this future act of recreating all things to be uh, a, a new creation that's filled with humans walking like Christ, right. Yeah. Where, where all things are made new, but this time there is no tree of the knowledge of good and bad. That, that, that new creation is, will come and is coming into our world. Now it began on the resurrection and ever since has been spilling into our world. We get to taste it. We get to experience it uh, in part now in full later. So in one, in one sense, like what changed the rules of the game changed. We now have access to new creation. We will live as new creations. We will mm -hmm. be resurrected like Christ to live into this new creation, this new Eden. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. However, the other thing that I think helps me to be not discouraged because it, it, you look at the round and you think, is this, this is it? Like this yeah. is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. This was the end result. Like it really doesn't yeah. seem so great is to remember that we don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. New creation could begin tomorrow. It could, it could happen in 400,000 years and, and we don't know. So imagine mm -hmm. if, if human history is going to go on another 400,000 years, we are living in the early church, right? All right. Yeah. Now just think, imagine if we are, if we are living in the early church, imagine what has happened to our world since Jesus came, the abolition of slavery, the invention of human rights, medical care, uh, compassion. These are things that are now considered normal human behaviors. Yeah. And I would argue teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. I would argue all of these things have been, have been influenced by the yeast of the kingdom working its way through human culture. I don't like that phrase. Well, Jesus used it and I'm going to say it again. The yeast of the kingdom? Yeah. He says, he says the kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast that works its way through the whole, a whole batch of dough. And, and he says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that grows into the largest, you know, largest tree in the garden. Yeah. May, we are, we are thinking like, if, if we're thinking always that we are living in yeah, the, risen, in the risen dough, we're living in the, the giant mustard plant. Maybe not. Maybe it's still just a seedling. Maybe mm. it's still just a small little piece of dough that's beginning to rise. I don't know. But if that's the case, look at what is already happening yeah. to our, to our human society. This is hard for us because mm -hmm. we're such individualists that we always think of things in terms of like, well, what about me and my world? We don't think in terms of what about my culture? What about my society? Yeah. But perhaps uh, that isn't the only way to look at things. So yeah. that's just enough. That's something to no, think good, about, something yeah, to chew good, on, but it's a good, uh, chew on like a nice yeasty loaf. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I brought you bread. That's right. Something here. to think about. Look at something this. to think about. Here, smell this. 
Oh, it's nice. so nice. <laughs> oh my. All right. Um, where do we go next? I have more questions, but we're out of time. But where, where do we go next in this series, in this month? Uh, well, I'm speaking this Sunday and we'll be talking about the parable of the lost son. Most people would call it the prodigal son, but we're going to call it the lost son. Parable right. of the lost son. Any. That's what we're talking about. Teaser. Um, well, I gave you one already. Barry, you are the one who designed <laughs> this sermon series. Tell us why you brought us to week three mm. and chose to have us talk about the lost son. Yeah. Um, week one is what are we here to do? Like if we're trying to close, the, if we're trying to, you know, close the credibility gap and heal separation from God, what are we here to do? Week two, what's the big story that we find that role within week three is who is this father that is calling us. And week four is shaping up to be essentially uh, so much of what we're talking about is about how we live being mm -hmm. salt and light in the world. Like the things that we do to represent the kingdom and week four is going to be, and then what do we say mm -hmm. when it comes time to say it? Yeah. Um, you know, first Peter, second Peter for mm -hmm. with the verse about, you know, when someone asks about your hope and as a believer, always be ready to explain it. That's going to be what we'll focus on in week four. So this next week, the, is the heart of our father who let's, let's dig deeper into the compassion mm. and the love and the grace of, of our father, God. All right. And Marin, you're giving the message. Yep. You ready? Nope. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great. No, I, I, I have a message written right now currently. Wow. Um, but is it, that earlier than it, normal? It needs some pruning. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, no, no. So for like, a production sake, our, mm -hmm. our notes need to be in by Wednesday at rough, five o'clock. Rough draft. Rough yeah. Draft. Rough draft. Mm -hmm. And so that way they can kind of like build slides mm -hmm. and the things that we'll need to kind of support the message. But then we are able to kind of fine tune that message. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the way up until 9.15 Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be spending the next right. couple of days just sitting and fine tuning and praying and praying and praying. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, this is a... Uh, it was a, it was a, I thought it was amazing. I thought the sermon was amazing. I Thank thought, you. um, it's, it's been a while since I've heard that whole arc and in the, in the context of hope month, I know people are inviting friends and people who may never have heard this story, the story of God, the story of redemption. And so I'm praying that it's connecting in ways that maybe. I was not expecting, mm -hmm. but yeah. All right. Uh, I think we got it covered. So Marin, you'll be here next week. Mm -hmm. And uh, for now, can you send us out? Sure can. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 